Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in on this week's Led by the Word. We are going to be in 1 Kings chapter 9, chapter nine, and we're going through chapter 13. So please, if you haven't read this yet, I encourage you, honestly, pause the video right now, go and read these chapters. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yes. Um, honestly, I feel like the life of Solomon is like the stock market. Like he was just a pop, 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 and then it was just boom, down. It's, it's so sad, sad really, to see the life of Solomon. You know, we, we look at Solomon as this great wise hero, but we see such a horrible, horrible downfall for him. So please read chapters 8 through 13 and unpause now. We're going to talk about this. Go ahead, Jesse. Right. So we're kind of backtracking. We touched a little bit last week on chapter 8, but um, I kind of wanted to go into some more detail. In chapter 8, a significant event happens. The Ark of the Covenant was brought from the city of David, which is Zion. Um, in verse 5, it says, The sacrifices of sheep and oxen excuse me, could not be told nor numbered for multitude. So the Ark comes into the temple, and Solomon and the congregation are just basically offering up these huge amounts of sacrifice of sheep and oxen. So, so many they couldn't be numbered. Like, it it was just this almost celebration. It was like breaking in the temple and the Ark of the Covenant, if you will. And in verse 10 and 11, the Bible says that, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So the temple had been built, but it wasn't until the ark, which we know represents the spirit of God, like that's the presence of God, um, had arrived and sacrifices had been made, did an actual outpouring or a move happen. So I know in my life, like I've actually been super guilty of this, of showing up week after week to church, which is awesome. Like, please, please keep doing that. Stay but consistent. <laughs> we can't forsake the assembly of gathering together, but where I come in week after week and I'm like, okay why am I not receiving a move in my own life? And all I'm doing really is showing up, you know, just showing up, maybe even, I hate to say this, but going through the motions. I know I've been guilty of that numerous times in my life, unfortunately. Um, but sometimes I think even it's a subconscious thing where we're like, okay, we're here at church, we're faithful, you know, maybe we're tithing, whatever. That's all it is to it. You know, that's all it is. And it's not. Um, if Solomon and, like, the congregation of Israel, they, you know, they had this beautiful temple. And they were like, we've built this for the Lord. Right? Their heart's in the right place. They're like, mm -hmm. Lord, you have a house. Here we go. And they didn't bring in the ark. And they didn't make sacrifices. They could have just been standing there admiring, like, a beautiful structure. Like, that's all it would have amounted to. And I understand that, you know, this was pre the veil tearing. You know, Jesus Christ lives in our hearts. You know, the spirit is manifest, you know, in our lives. And we have that, you know, one-on-one -on -one connection and relationship. And they had to gather at the temple. This is Old Testament, you know. But there were still sacrifices to be made. The priests still had to obey their certain priestly laws. They couldn't just bust in and do what they wanted. You know, they had rules. They had regulations for this kind of thing. So with no ark, no sacrifices, I mean, they would have just been like, this is a really nice temple. Like, this is intricate. We did something here. Like, there was there still had to be the Spirit of the Lord moving upon. And obviously, the Lord was like, they made a place for him to move. A lot of people get hung up on the building. Yeah. You know, we're like, okay, well, we have a church. You know, it says we're two or three are gathered in his name, right? He's there. So you can have church, you know, in a hospital. And yes, it is so important to continue to go to church. I don't want to 
take away any of the importance of that. But they had the temple, but it wasn't until they were like, we've made room for you to move, God. Here are our sacrifices. We're thankful. You know, we're praising you. Old Testament sacrifice style. He just poured out. The priest couldn't minister because the presence was so overwhelming. Reminds me of those services where, you know, we have our best laid plans. You know, like, okay, we're going to worship. We're going to teach a little bit, you know, pray. And then the spirit breaks out and, like, worship happens. And then it's just, like, total breakthroughs and people are getting healing. I love those kind of services. Um, but after this, so after the outpouring of the spirit, Solomon gives like kind of a speech. Um, he prays to God, he blesses the people and he dedicates the temple. Like, I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen like a new building get unveiled sometimes like the CEO or someone will come out and make like a little speech. This is kind of what's happening. So right after that, the Lord actually appears to Solomon a second time. Now, remember the first time he appeared to him in a dream and was like, what can I give you? And Solomon's like, I'm a child. Give me wisdom so I can judge. Right? That was the first encounter. Mm-hmm. Now, the second encounter here, um, he's still talking directly to Solomon. And I want to pause and say, this is a huge deal that the Lord himself is talking to Solomon, the king. Yes. Because I kind of brushed past it quickly. But on Old Testament, they didn't have the same kind of connection that we do, where they could just be like, Heavenly Father, you know, like, just this direct prayer line, necessarily. It was not the same. So the fact that the Lord showed up to tell Solomon personally something to his face, basically, not once but twice, is huge. Like, that's like a, that made me pause. I was like, what is going on here? So he does say that he hears their prayer. (laughs) Like, like he heard their prayer, but then he gives them some serious info. I know Micah is going to kind of get into a little more, I think, um, but it's, that was huge for that time that he's like, I've received your prayers, you know, at this time. Um, if it's okay, I'm going to skip a little to chapter 10. No, go right ahead. Okay. At the very beginning of chapter 10, Solomon has a visitor. And most of us know it was Queen Sheba. Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon. And it says in verse 1 that she came to prove him with hard questions. So the background here is she heard all of this stuff like, oh, King Solomon, he's super wise. There is like none smarter. You'll never find a wiser king, whatever. And she's like, let's see what this is about. So she goes up there basically to prove him with hard questions. I think it's verse 3 says that there was nothing hid from Solomon. So he answered all of her questions. And, you know, he gives her this tour of the place and she's just overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed by the happiness of his servants. She's overwhelmed by the riches. She's overwhelmed by the peace in the land. Like she's just like, Okay, wow. So by verse 5, it says that there was no spirit left in her. So I think she kind of came in a little ornery and was like, I'm, this is exaggerated. Yeah, like this is, this is nonsense. And she's like, uh, I was actually not told the half of this. Like this is twice as good as what I had heard. But what she was trying to prove inside of Solomon or, you know, test and see was not actually Solomon's wisdom. It was the wisdom that he received from God. It was his God-given wisdom, if you would. You know, Solomon had no wisdom necessarily in his own. That's why he prayed and asked God for wisdom. God granted him wisdom. But it kind of had me thinking about how, you know, each of us has God-given talents, Mm -hmm. God-given abilities, and God-given gifts. And a lot of times, we don't do anything with them. And that could be numerous reasons. We've listened to lies of the devil, like, you know, oh, these aren't gifts. You're not special. You know, the Lord doesn't love you enough to do special things in your life. You know, something like that. Or maybe... Um, people in our family put us down for whatever reason. We're just like, you know what? It's really not that big a deal that we're not using our God-given gifts because it only affects me. 
but it doesn't. When Solomon here was kind of utilizing his God-given wisdom, it didn't just bless him. His, the whole nation of Israel was blessed. They were living under these blessings. They were living under his wisdom, his God-given talent and gift here. Um, when the Queen of Sheba came, she gave him tons of stuff. The thing that stuck out to me was she gave him, like, tons of spices that they had not had before. Yeah. Like, and that seems kind of trivial. It's like, okay, great, you got cinnamon or something. But it's not, though. It's more rare than their diamonds. Right. Like, it's, it's – monetary value is different, you know. It's not like they could go down to Costco and get – the. I was, father-in-law was over last night and we were talking about one of the verses in his time, Solomon grew Israel so big that silver was his gravel right. in a translation. Like if you think of that today, there's so much money there. And she was like, silver here is, is as gravel in my land. And she's not from a poor country. No, no. So the, the spices is huge. Yeah. It, sometimes we breeze past it in like, you know, USA terms where like, okay, big deal. It was a huge deal. It was huge. And the nation was living under that blessing because at this point in time, Solomon was utilizing his gift. And we never know when our God-given talent, our God-given gift, the thing that we ask for, the thing that God bless us with, could be someone's breakthrough. Amen. I mean, how many times have you been struggling? Someone in our church on the praise team sings this, like, God laid the song in my heart, sings it, and you just have a total breakthrough. Amen. Finally breakthrough. And you could be like, well, singing, what's the big deal? Anybody can sing. Anybody can open their mouth and try to sing. Not everyone is anointed. Not everyone is, you know, given this specific God-given talent. And sometimes even the people that are, you know, we live in such a blessed area where our praise team submits to God and prays and, you know, seeks him, like, and submits to pastor and all of this. But a lot of times people are like, well, I'll just sing, you know, whatever. But when you're able to submit yourself and be like, I have this God-given talent. And I'm not saying it's singing. Maybe it is. And you're like, Lord, help me help someone else through this mm -hmm. so this is what solomon was doing when he asked for wisdom he wasn't just like yeah i'm going to go on jeopardy and like you know win multiple times he was like i want to be able to rightly judge the people he did it for the people so i want to encourage you if god if you know that god's given you a talent where you suspect and the lord's laid it on your heart and you're pretty sure you're like you know what the lord has given me this talent i have really good people skills i i would be excellent to pray one-on-one -on -one people then ask him, how can I use this for your kingdom? What I don't want to hold back and hold back someone's blessing. It, anything that God gives you is for a reason. Right. And, and I want to say something, and this is just, this is a wake-up call. If God gives Jesse a direct offense against the kingdom of the enemy, and Jesse doesn't use it, it doesn't stop any of the attacks of the enemy. Right. So the enemy's still going to attack her. If, you're, if you have this... There is literally no reason not to outreach with it. So that there's so much stuff. I, I know some people, I know some men in my life that they have the gift of a word. Mm -hmm. And there have been times in my life where I was really low and I'd get a direct verse, scripture, prophecy, text, or phone call. And that's one of their outreaches. And I know for a fact, if I see their name pop up, they don't text just a text. They don't call. We, we can go years without talking. And I see that and I'm like, oh my goodness. And that's because God gave them a gift, and they were willing to work through it. So if you've been given a gift, it is your direct responsibility to use it. Like Jesse said the week before last week, last week was Thanksgiving. Could you imagine if Solomon, he, he has that vision and he prays for that wisdom, then the next morning he says, I'm too tired to go to court. And we're led to believe it's the next morning. Right. And it's the story, the incredible story of the two babies. Yeah, the two babies and the sword. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if we didn't have that. And I bet that story got to Sheba. 
Oh, I'm sure. Because what a weird story. <laughs> what a weird story. And I bet that story didn't only affect that mama and that other uh, lady. That story affected the entire kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about don't be weary and well-doing. Don't be lazy. Right. You, don't be discouraged. You know, uh, faith without works, that's pointless. We can have our faith, but we also got to have our works. we got to fulfill our part. So this great young man, Solomon, we believe, estimate, he becomes king at 20. Right. That's what we say. He's king for 40 years, passes away at 60. Solomon was far wiser at 20 than 60. Mm. And that's sad. Like, if you sit and you think of that, and you're like, man, if you think of the leaders in your life, you think of your past, you're like, man, they just get better every day. Man, their sermons, they get better, they get more anointed. Solomon went on a downhill decline. And I think that's, that's a sad, sad statement. We, we should every day be drawing nigh to God. Yes. Every day there should be some change in us. There should be some work in us. There should be some passion in us to be like, I want to become more like him. Solomon, we know that he, he loved many foreign women. Like there's no doubt that I think it was 300 concubines, 600 wives. Maybe vice whatever the number was, it was exponential and it was massive. So then some people teach it's like, well, that was okay. Abraham did it, David did it, Caleb did it, all these people did it. God never blessed any of that. God told us specifically what a home was supposed to be one man, one woman. Oh, by the way, segue to this me and Jesus at church. And then we also have our new children's book, The First Family. What does it mean as a Christian family? Go to our website, oasismenstore.com. Pastor wrote that book. He wrote his first children's book. What does it mean to have a Christian family? This is not it. No. So Solomon, he's chasing something to feel good inside. And it's not only is it dangerous, it's not working. Because we see if it worked, he would have stopped at 10. Right. If it worked, he would have stopped at 3. We're at hundreds. And it's still not working. We're at hundreds, and he's still trying for more. We're at hundreds, and his wisdom is subsiding. So God comes to him in chapter 11, verse 9 through 13, and announces his judgment. And he's got these two adversaries coming about, uh, coming against him. I'm not going to read all this. I want to kind of come through here. God comes to Solomon with chastisement. God comes to Solomon with punishment. God comes to Solomon. And this is the saddest thing that broke my heart today. I made a statement. David messed up huge, but David repented huge. Solomon messes up and gets two direct meetings with God mm-hmm. of his punishment and doesn't do nothing. Solomon doesn't change. Solomon, the only thing Solomon does afterwards is try to fight God's punishment. He doesn't apologize or nothing. So then it comes down to 60 years old, Solomon dies. And the verse tells us he rested with his fathers. So I'm like, oh, okay. There's some point somewhere he's repented and he's changed. This was a really sad thing. Uh, Chapter 22, Ahab, Mm -hmm. a terrible, horrific man, also rested with his fathers. So I looked up, resting with your fathers just means you died and went to be to the land of the kings. We are never told nowhere. We are never led to believe. We are never given any insight that Solomon wanted to change. Mm -hmm. Had direct meetings with God, literally the most, listen to this, the most wise man on earth. Never changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a heart heartbreaking thing. So then God comes down and in his punishment, he said, here's what we're going to do. Now, th- we're going to do some major studying on this going forward. This is, um, it's kind of complicated. It really is. But Israel gets hit. 
boom, and he says, because of your father, David Solomon, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let your kid rule. I'm going to let your son rule, mm -hmm. which is beyond, beyond kind. He said, but he ain't going to have the whole kingdom. We're splitting this sucker right down the middle. So now we got Judah and we got Israel. And it's not right down the middle. There's a far larger side than the other oh, yes. side. Um, Israel, its king is Jero Jeroboam. And Judah's king is Re Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Mm -hmm. So Jeroboam, he goes and he sets up a, a whole thing of worship. So God meets with him and tells him, if you keep my commandments... I'm going to let you be king and bless. And he, listen, this is the king of Israel. So Jeroboam's like, okay, okay, I can do that. I can do that. First thing he does is he goes and builds two golden calves. He said, you know, Aaron built one golden calf, and that didn't work out at all. That was a bad move. We'll build two. The math is so sound. <laughs> I mean, then he goes up there. Then he sets up fake prophets and priests. He did, and this is what the enemy will do to distract you. So he said, if I go up here and I set up false gods, the people will riot against me and burn me alive, or they'll stone me, or they'll do something. Uh -huh. So he said, I've got to do similar things to what they have, but different enough to where we don't have to worship the true God. So he goes up in there and he mimics it, but he does it slightly ever so differently. And we'll get into this, but he gets very... Uh, very, very punished. Oh, he builds temples, but they weren't in the exact way God wanted. He, he creates priests, but they were counterfeit priests. Uh, even the sacrificing, he does slight differences. And this is, this is my teaching for you today on the spiritual, what we can do in our side. Look out for an enemy in your life that wants to distract you from what God's already commanded. Mm -hmm. Because God's going to come to you as a Solomon and say, here's a gift. And I'm, I'm working this right with your thought. Here's a gift. Here's how you use it. And then there's going to be people used by the enemy. And then you're going to have thoughts yourself. You're going to have discouragement. You're going to have the enemy directly wanting to contradict that however he can. And he's just going to not 100% change it, but just ever so slightly enough to where it creates disobedience in your life. It stops all blessings and it creates punishment. And I love what you said. You were talking earlier this week about how when God has something, the devil always has a counterfeit of that. Yeah. And sometimes that counterfeit is just us trying to do our own thing. You know, being like he did, you know, oh, it's, well, it's good enough. You know, close enough. It's close enough. We're, we're getting real into just studying archaeology. Uh, my father-in-law is obsessing right now of uh, biblical archaeology. He came to us. He said, they found um, Joshua's uh, altar. Yeah. And we were, as you know, in Kingdom Talk, we, we talked about that. We were like, that's the coolest thing ever a few months ago. God says, I want sacrifice. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about this because this is exciting to me right now. So they take animals and they sacrifice. The enemy says, I'm not satisfied with that. I want human sacrifices. Then they do human sacrifices, and they found scales of 50,000 children sacrificed at altars. Mm -hmm. God tells Moses, turn your staff into a snake. The enemy says, turn two staffs into a snake. You know, we, we see the enemy, when he sees God does something, he wants to not only try to copy it to the best of his small, minuscule ability, he also just, it's awful. It's so dangerous. So we have to be very, very, very watchful. Pause. You can't just be watchful. You can't. you got to be very well studied up. Yeah, definitely. Because disobedience is dangerous. And if we're not understanding of the Word of God, we can miss disobedience and mistake it for obedience. So we have to know. And the only way we're going to know, you can pray 10,000 hours for wisdom, and I love that. 
But you got to first know what God's already told you. Mm-hmm. So be in this word, study in this word and say, God, show me in obedience what I can learn from this. Because all those people that got led out of Egypt, they were tricked by Aaron with a golden calf. And we know about what happened with them. You know, they melted it down. They, oh, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. All the powers and chastisement come there. So we got to say, God, I, I want to know. I, we take so much time judging ministers that are totally against the word. And then they're, they're fake ministers and all this stuff. There's always going to be that. Mm-hmm. We can sit and judge that all we want. But the fact that matters, that doesn't matter in our personal life. What matters is, are we studied up enough to know the difference? Mm-hmm. And that's the key. That is the key. That's good. Coming to a close here. Also, you can't kill a promise. Uh, God told, and this is a bad promise, God told Solomon there's going to be punishment. There's going to be a splitting. Solomon doesn't want to change. Solomon tries to fight that. Doesn't work at all. Uh, There's still a split of the kingdom, and Solomon's land is still punished through his son. There's going to be good promises in your life, and the enemy cannot stop those. Whatever God has laid down, whatever decision he has made, it, it can't be stopped. So get this book. If you're going through something in your life, you're like, God gave me a promise. There's something I believe. There's something I know. There's something I feel that God's already showed me is going to come to pass, and I don't see it possible. Get this and see throughout Scripture how these promises cannot be stopped. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Please take a moment and like this and share this. God bless you. God bless you.